This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women losing their marbles. I am Joe Lipset, and I'm joined, as always, by Gina Radcliffe. Hello. As well as Jen Adams. Hello. Ladies, we are delving into the wild and rapey world Mm -hmm. of finance. So we're talking about Fair Play. This is a fairly recent film that just dropped on Netflix earlier in October. And uh, I feel like we should just do a survey. How did the two of you feel about this year movie? I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I didn't have a whole lot of expectations going into it, but I think it it does a lot of things. I I think it is a really interesting update on a film like this from the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I dug into I dug the the very 90s aspect of it. Uh, it. It felt like a, you know, we're back to the uh, disclosure era uh-huh. of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, hostile men versus women business environment. I'm always happy to see a movie that has actual adult sex scenes in it. Yes. You know, and, and I realize that makes me sound like some kind of pervert, apparently. No, to the, to, it to does the, not. Certainly to the youth of social media, but but <laughs> you know, it is nice to see a capital A adult film that isn't like mm-hmm. straight up pornography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to put this out there right off the top, though. Uh, I've seen this film listed as an erotic thriller in multiple places. Folks, this is not a fucking erotic thriller. No. Yes, there no. is, as you said, Gina, capital A adult sex in this. But this is not a sexy film, no. per se. No, no. And I don't know if I would categorize it as a thriller either. Like, it feels more like just a intense drama doesn't say maybe maybe (laughs) maybe psychological drama but there's not a lot of suspense to it which is what i would which is what i would consider you know a thriller yeah and if she hadn't picked that knife up at the very end like there's no Mm -hmm. there's no bloodshed exactly yeah well except for that first scene which i do want to talk about (laughs) Mm -hmm. no uh, this to be honest, reminds me almost akin of something like a marriage story where you're just like, oh, you're watching the disintegration of a couple that once got along and then the dynamic of the relationship changes and it completely fucking falls apart. And we're really just examining, oh, toxic masculinity, <laughs> gender normativity, just the expectations of men and women in the workplace and in relationships and how it's all fucking bogus. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think it does that very well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Jen, blood right off the top. <laughs> Walk us through it. Yes, I love this. Okay, well, we meet the sweetest couple in the world. They're very charming. They're very cute. One is from Bridgerton, the other is from uh <laughs> Solo. <laughs> and they are hooking up. He's going down on her in the bathroom. I think it's his his brother's wedding or some kind of close family friend's wedding. Mm-hmm. And she accidentally oops starts her period it gets all over her face his face her dress and i just think this is the sweetest scene i wrote in my notes normalize periods like sure it's not like this is not carrie it's just something that happens they're embarrassed because they're gonna be like outed as hooking up in the bathroom Mm -hmm. not because she is oh menstruating and i just thought it was so sweet i don't think we see men respond to this kind of thing like this in film very often i'm 
can't think of a time when I've ever seen it. And I just loved it. And I think it really sets this character, Luke, up as a likable guy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so important that when we meet this couple, not only are they engaging in what looks to be very satisfying sexual activity, like they are happy, healthy, being a little bit frisky in a public space, like, but this is a couple where you think, okay, I'm going to root for them. And then the movie yeah. starts. And he's going down on her, which I think is significant too. Mm -hmm. Like there, it seems like a very equally balanced relationship. Yeah, or, or at least initially he is not, Right. Is not uncomfortable being in a, in a, you, for lack of a better phrase, a submissive position to her. Yeah. Mm hmm. This is interesting, too. So we should note this is a female writer director, Chloe Domont, or Domont. And I think, A, that probably shows in a lot of the frank depictions of like female agency, sexuality, and so on. But I have noticed that Hollywood has definitely taken a cue. If you want to show female agency in any capacity, the new thing to do is be like, oh, yeah, men are going down on her now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's like the joke about how uh, on an HBO drama, if you're trying to telegraph that the male character is troubled in some way, there'll, there'll mm -hmm. be a scene where he's having like aggressive from behind sex with someone. <laughs> right. <laughs> just watch a number of like they're, they're very classy dramas like true detective um perry mason it, it's all it's all there mm-hmm mm -hmm. i need to start watching perry mason i guess <laughs> <laughs> matthew reese absolutely yeah <laughs> like a little rumpled yeah <laughs> disheveled yeah it, <laughs> i have noticed that though it does seem to be like that is the new thing and i mean i'm not mad at it no there are other ways for women to have agency, but th mm -hmm. that's something we've been missing for a while. So, you know, get on down there, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we think of the initial setup for this film? So Luke and Emily are a couple. They work at the same hedge fund company, and he's expecting to get a promotion, and he's going to take her with him. But they have to keep their relationship secret because they haven't disclosed anything to HR. And... I think initially you think, oh, this is going to be about them getting outed and it's going to be bad for one or both of them. And instead it's like, oopsie, no, she's the one that's getting promoted and he absolutely spirals. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I love that it really is not pulling any punches about like this is about fragile masculinity. This mm -hmm. is about his ego. This is about uh, the dissolution. Like as I was watching this, I kept looking for this is probably going to sound bad, but to be fair to all of the characters, I kept looking for something that Emily could do differently to change yeah. or something she do does that maybe is out of line because I was expecting it to be more of a. I don't know, I guess erotic thriller where they're both right. kind of entangled in a big old mess. And she really like it is all him. She's trying to do the best she can. And he is just like losing his fucking mind. She puts up with his shit for so much longer than I anticipated. I kept waiting for her 
to freak out on him and just be like, why can't you be fucking happy for me? Mm-hmm. And when the moment comes, it is so gratifying because we waited all this extra time for it. But she is apologetic to him. You know, the number of times where she says, you know, oh, well, why don't I take you out to dinner or I'll buy you something nice, you know, my treat. Mm-hmm. And you can tell it's actually just making the situation worse. But every time she did it, I just thought, no, stop apologizing for being better than this asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually took a kind of practical angle to to the storyline when thinking about it. You mm-hmm. know, two two employment related things that you should take away from this movie Ooh, uh, okay. is don't try to hide something that could get you fired. Yes, yes because that's 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 just going to lead you down the the path of destruction, and it'll come out. I'm mm-hmm. sure that both of you and I have too. And certainly in younger days, have worked with someone that you dated, and yes. and you mm. weren't in a you you weren't really in a position where you would get in trouble if people found out you were dating. But it could have potentially caused problems. Certainly with like scheduling or people, right. you know, perceiving you. Know, obviously, you shouldn't date someone that's in a position you know below you, yeah. but. People tend to make assumptions about how what have you got your job, and it mm-hmm. can be a whole mess. Mm-hmm. And also, nothing is certain in your job. Mm-hmm. No, don't you know, be convinced that you are absolutely a shoe in unless you are told yes, you are getting this promotion. Mm-hmm. Do not go into anything absolutely one hundred percent certain that it's that it's that it's a lockdown. And even then, wait till the ink is dry. Right, wait till right. you sign those papers because something could always happen. Mm-hmm. oh man that moment where he claps back at her and says you stole my promotion oh. or you stole my job it's just like oh man buddy you just you do not get this no. so entitled well and what i think is interesting is that the reason he thinks that is because she overhears a rumor or just gossip or maybe she's just trying to pat his ego mm-hmm. she overhears that he's going to get the promotion and whispers it to him and that's the only like confirmation that either of them know about and what we find out is it's it's actually the opposite the guy like is kind of just waiting for him to quit and i wonder if we didn't have that scene Mm-hmm. how the movie would play out. And again, I'm not justifying anything that Luke does or says or his attitude at all, but I just, I wonder, because she apologizes. When she tells him she mm-hmm. got the promotion, she immediately apologizes. And I think there's a way to read it that, oh, I'm sorry, I know you thought you were getting this, but it's actually me. But I think the way that I read it and the larger picture is she's apologizing just because he didn't get it at all, because he's the man mm-hmm. he's supposed to, you know? And she feels bad that she maybe led him on, you know, Mm -hmm. oops, I didn't mean for our pillow talk to have this negative effect on you, your self-worth. He starts listening and and buying really ridiculously expensive self-help guides to improve his work ethic. But even those moments, right, when she comes in and she goes, I can't believe you you went for this, like you kind of fell for this online scam, this dude mm-hmm. charged you three grand for all of this material. And he immediately flips and says, well, maybe you should think about the way you look like you should be dressing for success at the office. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. I, I kept writing this fucking guy. Right. <laughs> yes. This movie is this fucking guy, the movie. Totally. <laughs> I mean, basically, the message of the movie is the most dangerous animal is a man who's had his ego deflated. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and I think that that's, you know, can be carried over in so many ways. You've got like, uh, who's that 
that mass shooter a few years ago who his primary complaint was that too many women turned him down for dates. So they was like, right. Elliot, Elliot Rogers. Was that who mm. it was? And it was just like, you know, like people get turned down for promotions all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, people, people get turned down for, for dates all the time. How is it, you know, for certain people, mostly men, let's face it. Always men. It, it, you know, it absolutely just their brains just snap. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's because they think they deserve it, you know. And I'm yeah. again not talking about all men. I do not hate all men. <laughs> I don't even hate most men. But, um, but yeah, it's like because the patriarchy has told them that they deserve it, and if they just mm-hmm. show up and they look clean and they do their job and they're like smiling, then they should get more and more and more and more and more. And we should all be grateful for them for being here and give them promotions and give them more money. And they Mm -hmm. don't really have to do anything extra. They just have to be themselves. And so when they don't get that or when somebody else gets it, whether they've worked harder or not, like regardless of what the circumstances, they feel like it's something that's been taken away because Mm -hmm. they are expecting this ladder of success to just follow them for the rest of their lives until they finally top out or die. And when that ladder stops, then the next three steps on the ladder have been taken from this like promise that they believe they've been given and as opposed Mm -hmm. to just they're just a human and maybe somebody else just got this promotion you know yeah i think the film does a really good job of highlighting that in the scenes that we see within the hedge fund office right like it's Mm -hmm. hustle and bustle but it's also almost exclusively men so Mm -hmm. you can you can definitely read a, oh, they promoted her because they need a woman for optics, for diversity, and so on. But then every meeting that we see Emily in, the guys treat her like one of the boys, quote unquote. So it's definitely not about her gender. It's everything to do with she's just actually better at the job. And then we see Luke losing money. Mm-hmm. And her turning around this really great way of gaining money you know like she threw a hail mary and got it you know yeah and so like they do show themselves to be like in the roles they deserve to be in you know like Mm -hmm. she and you know she may have gotten that promotion for optics she may have gotten it because the boss likes her but she also is very competent at her job and she doesn't other than having a relationship she's not telling hr she seems to be doing a great job at it and that even Mm -hmm. that relationship until luke like fucking spirals out is not affecting her job no i mean the only way we actually see it affecting her job is because she tries to trust him more than she does her other analysts or the other people that she's working with because she wants to give him the benefit of a doubt and bring him up with her Hmm. yeah and it's interesting that she feels like she has to do that too you know mm-hmm. Because that is her way of apologizing to him for getting this promotion that he didn't get. And it's like, it just shows this whole like heteronormative, like marriage agreement that we've been taught to accept by the patriarchy is that the Mm -hmm. man should be in a position of dominance. And if the power imbalance shifts towards the woman in any way, then there is something wrong with that. And we have to correct it in some way so she has to give him find a way to get him more power so that he can be just slightly ahead of her and that way that makes it okay for her to have power yeah 
And it's interesting because I would argue the first maybe half of the film plays out that way, right? As mm -hmm. though she has a responsibility to make it up for him or she personally thinks that she needs to do those things to make him feel better. And then as his behavior starts to shift, she... I would argue starts to think a little bit more independently and she's more interested in making sure that she's doing what she needs to do to be effective in the role. And sometimes that means answering calls at 3am. Sometimes that means going out for drinks at the strip club with the boys and so on. And I do think it's really interesting watching Emily negotiate all of these fragile male egos, <laughs> both at home, but also in the office. Uh, God bless. <laughs> could not <laughs> relatable could not do content. It. Oh my God, so relate. Yeah, it's interesting because I was as a teacher for the longest time, and so I just worked with a lot of women, and then going into the the corporate world and seeing how much importance is put on titles that don't even mm -hmm. really mean that much. In offices, in offices, yes, it is so. It's just exhausting to have to cater to all of that. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, it would have been it, it would have been funny to do a double feature of this in American Psycho, particularly oh, early, oh yeah, particularly the business card scene, which which I was thinking mm -hmm. about a lot, and 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 part of my life, it's a dick waving fight where yes. where you know rather than whipping it out and getting a tape measure, they're just you know showing one upping each other with these these business cards that supposedly one you know each one is better than the last one, and they all look almost identical. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So not to pivot completely away from all of the specifically gendered stuff, but I was curious how you feel about Emily's mother, because we've not said it. Uh, in addition to getting this job promotion, Emily and Luke also get secretly engaged, and she makes the mistake of dropping this to her mom, and then her mom begins to plan an elaborate engagement party, even though no one can know that they are together. And she repeatedly tells her, don't do this, mom. That mom drove me crazy. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It just felt like gaslighting after a while, didn't it? You know, like the mom would also cry emotional abuse. Well, I'm just trying to do something nice for you and you won't even answer my calls and blah, blah. I was just like, I cannot handle this. I, right. I am so angry and frustrated on emily's behalf at this woman <laughs> i know like leave me alone yeah just so overbearing and i think like, and i also wonder if that plays into emily's kind of feeling like she needs to apologize for getting this good thing for luke if she and i'm not saying her mother is emotionally abusive but i do mm -hmm. think there are shades of that and i could see this being a dynamic that has shaped her behavior towards everyone. Oh, certainly. Yeah, no, that's definitely, you can get a, a lot about their relationship from this situation with this party where, you know, mm. you know, I'm going to do this, you know, nice thing for you that you don't want, but how can you not want it? It's so nice. Yeah. And, and more importantly, I'm spending a lot of money on it, which, yep. which, you know, and then basically wearing her down to both think that she wants it or at least you know you know fine whatever do what you want and then you know probably you know almost certainly if we saw this you know develop further 
you know, like, why aren't you not more grateful for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and you say, well, I didn't want it in the first place is not going to be an acceptable excuse. And and again, no. you know, everybody, we've all gone through that with somebody where, you know, mm-hmm. they, they want to make a big fuss about something you don't want them to. Mm-hmm. And then you give in, they do it. And then you don't show a proper amount of what, what they consider to be a proper amount of gratitude for it. Yes. And, and you can't say I didn't want it because then you sound like a child, even even mm-hmm. though e- e- even though it's it's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. I told you I didn't want it. You did it anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what the fallout of this party that goes so disastrously wrong would be. Oh. Like, ideally, the mother would say, "Oh." I see why you didn't want this, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's what's going to happen. My 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 guess is, oh, I can't believe you embarrassed me in front of my friends exactly. like this. Yeah, I think so. Because it's not as though Emily or Luke's friends were there. It was just friends and family and probably a bunch of the mom's friends. One, right. 100%. 100%. Well, and so I'm curious, I want to ask y'all how you kind of read Emily's reluctance to tell anyone and this, and I understand that there is, they are not out as a couple at work, so they could Mm -hmm. get fired. Although, like, the party happens, and it seems like nobody from work actually finds out about it. So I wonder, but what what I think is interesting is that Emily keeps seeing that he has not told his parents, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's this dynamic of, like, I've gotten a man, I've gotten myself engaged, I've accomplished this, but it's not real until he tells his parents, even though I have a ring on my finger, when does it actually become real that I have accomplished this goal of being engaged? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if that, I'm probably projecting a lot onto that, and that's that's a, a very Southern attitude also, but I'm just curious if y'all picked up any of that. I was in a relationship and we were getting engaged and it seemed like he, you know, was keeping it to himself. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that would certainly make me feel insecure and and, sure. and, and and make me less willing to, you know, be all out and excited about it. But also at the same time, I'd be afraid to broach it. So, hey, why aren't you like telling anybody about this? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, you, I realize you don't They're want anybody at work to know. They don't want to marry you. You, know, you can tell our family. Right. Well, he said for her to tell her mom, you know, yeah. so why hasn't he told his? I can't help but wonder, and it's a tricky thing because in reality, this is Emily's film and not Emily and Luke's film, even mm-hmm. though initially when we're introduced to them, they are a couple and it seems like we're going to be following their journey, their disintegration and so on. But at the end of the day, it really is more of Emily's film. So we don't really know what's going on in Luke's mind throughout all of this. We can just read his facial expressions, his reactions, and so on. But I couldn't help but wonder if he had been teasing people that he was about to get this promotion, and then all of a sudden he couldn't say, well, I'm engaged to the woman who actually got it, because Mm. then he would have to admit defeat. So he just says nothing. Well, and we do find out that he's told his family that he got a promotion mm-hmm. so yeah i bet you're probably right yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah he's like how can i spin this so that i still look like a, a cool dude you know and he just hasn't figured it out yet i think yeah i mean let's let's talk about luke's behavior as the film goes on because not only does he lie about getting that promotion but he increasingly withdraws he tries to compete with emily it almost seems like he's going through the stages of grief in mm-hmm. some way, but he gets locked in anger yes. for a large portion of the film. Yeah. You know, what it reminded me a lot of was 
when you hear about like like writers like uh f scott and zelda fitzgerald where mm. like the the competition seems like it might be a little fun at first mm-hmm. and then you know maybe add a little bit of spice to the relationship mm-hmm. but one of you eventually is going to do better than the other one you right. know and you and you have like the flip side of that where you have like Stephen and tabitha king where mm-hmm. you know at one time they probably had the same goals and dreams now granted they don't really write in the same genre so they wouldn't be direct competition but like you know evidently whatever issue she had about him kind of you know taking off leagues and bounds ahead of her in a writing career while she more or less kind of you know hung back and raised their kids you know apparently it didn't do too much damage because he credits her with a lot of his success mm-hmm. which is how it should be like you know if one of you ends up doing better than the other in your shared you know goals the ideal situation is that the one who who doesn't do as well still kind of acts as like i, I hate to use the word cheerleader because that makes it sound mm-hmm. superficial but you know to give them the the support and the stability that they need while the more successful one credits that person for for giving them that grounding mm-hmm. whereas you have the opposite situation where like zelda for wasn't even more successful than than f scott fitzgerald he was just afraid she was going to be he (laughs) he he like acknowledged that he felt that she was a better writer than him and and he could not deal with that and it seems like it'd be fun to you know get involved with you know another writer or another podcaster or or (laughs) but you know it's interesting that you know when the whichever side is having the most you know insecurities you know how how that plays out in the relationship yeah and i feel like steven and tabitha king are just couple goals like right that right 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 is fantastic but yeah it's it would be interesting to see like if luke didn't start to behave so erratically if he didn't kind of spin mm-hmm. out of control if they could actually make this work because i could see especially in the finance field like that is a very competitive field so in order to like really thrive in that world you have to have some kind of competitive drive mm-hmm. like i i would just be interested to see if they could ever make this work and what it would do to their relationship you know if he had not been such a a whiny little fragile boy because it's understandable to feel insecure and to watch somebody succeed and if and get the thing that you wanted and then have to still like be a loving and supportive of that person i understand how hard that could be you know Mm -hmm. well there's a moment where things are starting to get rocky and i think he he even maybe says you know you stole my job and Mm -hmm. she yells at him and says it wasn't your job you're about to be fired you still have an opportunity to salvage this your career is still okay leave the firm and go Mm -hmm. somewhere else and that i think would have that could have saved them i think but the problem is is that he doesn't want to eat crow he doesn't want to because he wants what she has And right then and there, you realize he never considered them equal. He never considered her better. And it's not just the entitlement. It's this idea that he liked being in a secret relationship with her because it gave him all the power. And now that she's excelling, there's no benefit to him behaving properly anymore. So he Mm -hmm. shows his true colors. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's shocked that she's actually competent at her job, which is which is which is funny to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, because she's a woman, you know, who would expect her to be good at numbers? Um, I say that kiddingly, also, and it's like. <laughs> If neither one of them had gotten the promotion, eventually they're going to have to, like, confirm that they're a couple. And I do wonder what his end goal was, because I think he sees himself rising. And if one of them has to leave, it's going to be her. Of course, it's going to be her because this is my company. This is my dream, you know. And he has that that really, really pathetic speech where he gets down on his knees and man i like cringed so hard i really felt bad for him in this moment this is so <laughs> embarrassing but he's got this whole speech about how i want to be you this this douchebag who calls emily a bitch like in the middle oh, of Campbell, a work day the boss yeah oh yeah he's awful but like she could have the exact same story he doesn't consider what she wants at all it's all about him Hmm. yeah the moment where Emily loses a bunch of money, principally because she listened to Luke as opposed to trusting her own gut, and mm -hmm. he cut corners and didn't do a thorough job like she asked him to do, and she ends up having to take it full on, the responsibility for losing $25 million. She walks into this meeting and her boss just goes, you stupid fucking bitch. And she just has to take it. Yeah. And then he says it again. It's, ugh, it's so gross. What's interesting, though, is that when she does make the money back and then they're in another boardroom and he apologizes and she brings it up, he gives her a non-apology. Like, what do you want me to say or, yeah. or something along those lines? And I did think that that was really interesting because Emily is surrounded by either gaslighters or toxic emasculated men who have very <laughs> fragile egos and i thought it was really interesting that these top tier men like the men that she is still reporting to that are above her still behave the exact same way that luke does it's just that they have more money and more stability yeah and more power well and like if this is who luke wants to be what does that say about him yeah it's mm -hmm. like it's you know it's like these these are your uh these are your guys huh these yeah. are these, these are the these are the people you're emulating yeah have you have you talked to their wives are they happy <laughs> mm -hmm. it's interesting though i wonder do you think that people will watch this movie and say oh well that's kind of what i'd expect of a new york city gig or a hedge fund job or something like that because i do think that this film has a unique set of narrative developments surrounding large chunks of money that escalate the stakes and make it very you know ooh, it's dangerous and sexy mm -hmm. but i think that you could make a version of this movie in a small town at a diner Oh sure, yeah. It's all mm. it's all competition. Yeah, I don't. I, and, and Joe, I think you mentioned this in our in our email chain that you you don't find like dramas about the stock market or anything like that. <laughs> oh my god, they're very, so fucking boring. Very I interesting. Know. I don't. I don't either because I number one, I don't really understand how it works. I don't no. either. I don't think the stocks are real. Yeah, <laughs> and but it's like you know, I, I movies in which people like sit around a computer or television screen going like it, it's up by twelve, it's down uh -huh. by thirty. I'm like, I don't. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> what I like about the movie, though, is that it doesn't matter if you don't understand. Right. It. It, yeah. It, as you say, you could carry you could carry it over into any business yeah. or any scenario. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I think we would see these same kinds of patterns, and even in like 
I don't know. I feel like a lot of this is because of fragile male egos, but mm -hmm. you see these kind of power moves in fields that are dominated, not strictly by men too. Like I had an old principal who would play a lot of these stupid power games too. There wasn't mm -hmm. a gendered sexual element to it the way there is here, but it does exist because a lot of times the people that rise to uh, positions of power get there because they are willing to stomp on everybody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's when competition enters the frame and people start to lose something of their humanity. But then mm -hmm. I, I like how this movie positions it specifically within a romantic relationship. So you're kind of getting the quote unquote best of both worlds, I guess, for the genre where you're getting the job dramatics where it's competitive and we're trying to get that promotion. But then also you're watching this really intimate, disastrous relationship implode. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about the sexual assaults? Because I was completely unprepared, even though I think the film does a very obvious job of laying that it's coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was not prepared for that either. And I thought, I, I don't want to say I enjoyed it. I am glad that it exists because I think that is probably representative of a large chunk of sexual assaults that a lot of people don't consider sexual assaults. And I was wondering mm -hmm. if they were going to say it as a sexual assault in the movie. And I'm really glad yep. that she explicitly says rape and she says, no, I told you to stop and you didn't. So many times she tells mm -hmm. him to stop. Mm. Yeah. We don't, uh, we still don't really address uh partner sexual assault mm -hmm. no. in pop culture. And cause I'm not sure that there are a lot of people that, still think it exists which is yeah. a uh, which is which is a uh, which is a real problem you know there there are a lot of people who still think that you know, the by the book definition of rape is you know guy in the bushes jumps out with a knife at you and mm -hmm. when right. you know the vast majority of them are are committed people by you know. by at least people you know if not someone you've been intimate with before mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i love how this movie introduces the couple having sex in a bathroom mm -hmm. and it's hot and sexy and as we've all said it's very adult and i was distinctly uncomfortable when we moved the action from this party where his behavior is horrendous he has torpedoed both of their careers by this point in the film and then he is drunk at this party and i just thought girl no do not go into the bathroom with him because this is not going to get you what you want but I thought, okay, this is an interesting narrative development. I'm curious to see where it's going to go. And as soon as it begins to turn violent, kind of shockingly violent, like mm -hmm. him forcing her head against the sink Ugh. multiple times as she's saying no, and she's not screaming and she's not crying. It's not hysterical victimness, mm -hmm. but it is deeply disturbing. And I thought the movie handles this so well if I can say that. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that that like, if I were to put myself in her shoes, she's probably just saying, just get it over with just yep. and then I'll get away. You know, she still doesn't mm -hmm. want to get him in trouble. She still exactly. does not yeah. want to get him in trouble. And at that point, he is so he's such earned the, the trouble he, he could get into mm -hmm. that. It's like you're still you're still protecting him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because that's what we've been trained to do. Because I think a part of her still loves him. I think yeah. at this point, like this is the breaking point. At this point, there is no forgiveness. There's no going back. Even in the final moments of the film where you are terrified that she will forgive him when he becomes a sobbing baby mess. 
after she has assaulted him with a knife and it's very satisfying. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I, when I watched this, so my husband ended up watching the end of the film with me. He literally came in as Luke was interrupting her presentation so he could get oh. a coffee and he was just like, what is this? Who is this fucking asshole? And I was like, oh, sit down. It's going to get way worse. <laughs> He was so perturbed by the rape scene. And then when we thought that she was going to forgive him at the end of the film, yelling at the TV. Mm. It's so satisfying. What I think is so interesting about this is this is the end result of fragile masculinity. You know, this or him actually killing her you know and Mm -hmm. it doesn't always get that far but that is what gives him back power that's what gives him back dominance is taking her by force and i love that it starts out as uh consensual and then she withdraws consent and he will not and we know he hears but he Mm -hmm. will not let her go and i think that's how he is able to dominate her because he can't beat her at the job he can't lie like the truth is going to come out he's embarrassed but what he can do is rape her and that's Mm -hmm. what he does and that's what makes him feel powerful again it's the last gasp of power that he has over her exactly and it's disgusting it's one of those things where it's like, you know, dude, what did you think was going to be the end result uh-huh. of this? Mm. What did you think this was going to accomplish other than humiliating her? Like, did you think she was going to, like, quit her job and skulk away and, you know, you know, move back home and give you and, and somehow you would get her job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in, in all reality, he probably meant as a scorched earth tactic where, you know, right. he, he was he, he was ruined. You know, she was ruined. You know, let me let me get one last, you know, you know, mm-hmm. humiliation in on you before we walk away from each other. Mm-hmm. And yet the look on his face after he cries, he does what you want. She says, I want you to apologize. I want you to cry at knife point. And he does it. And she gets in super close. Their noses are touching. It looks like they could kiss. And you can see it in his face when she says, now wipe out this blood and get out. Mm-hmm. You can tell that he is surprised because he thought he had done enough. And it's just like, like the gall is shocking to mm-hmm. me. Wipe the blood off my floor, too. Yeah, because it's her Love place it. now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And he walked into that situation. Well, he's there before her because he is seated in a position of power. And he thinks he's going to run all of this. He's got it all under control. He's got seed money. He's going to take down her company one day, oh you know? And I just- love the idea that he's just going to go into business for himself on the oh, West yeah. Coast. Dude, <laughs> you are deluded. It's the Michael Scott paper company all over again. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, We've not really talked about the performances. What did you think of Alden Ehrenreich and Phoebe DeVenner? Alden Ehrenreich, I think that he, in before we recorded, I mentioned uh, that I remember that he was in Stoker. Mm -hmm. And um, in recent years, he's mostly played like nice guy roles. You know, he was in in Solo and he was in Cocaine Bear. Mm -hmm. And even in in Cocaine Bear, he was he was, you know, basically like a henchman. Well, son Mm -hmm. of like a son of like a mafia leader. But with a heart of gold. (laughs) Right. He didn't like doing it. He was a nice guy. Mm -hmm. And he's got a very deceptively boyish sort of appearance but uh, i think everybody under 40 is like boyish at this point but um but uh (laughs) you know so he i think that this was very well used because you know Mm -hmm. he's got a very you know you know uh, charming you know nice small town boy 
nature to him. And so he doesn't seem like somebody that will be working in, you know, in you know, investment or whatever the fuck they do. And like I said, I don't I don't I don't I don't understand <laughs> in finance. And he, there we go. He doesn't seem like he has that sort of aggressive go-getter personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so he he uses that to be to to you know do a nice little you know level of dis- now. Granted, your takeaway is that he always kind of had it in him that yes. you know one you know you know, one heavy blow to to his ego is enough to send him spiraling over the edge. Mm-hmm. But up to that point, you're like, oh, he seems like a, he seems like a nice kid. He seems nice. Yeah. they're good together, right? And and you know, so he manages to kind of pivot on that pretty effectively, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it says something like how much I despise him throughout this movie, like how effective this performance is, especially because I think we start really in his corner. And I'm like, oh, this is the kind of man that you want, you know, Mm -hmm. the nice guy. Exactly. And just he's just such a piece of shit in this movie. But there are times that I genuinely feel sorry for him, like when he's, I think, really kind of internalizing, maybe I'm not very good at this job. I think... Like, I genuinely feel for him. And until he shows up and ruins her presentation, I do want him and them to succeed, even Mm -hmm. though he's been such a shithead to her, you know? I think that's the strength of the film. And by establishing them as a rock-solid couple that you want to cheer for, that's what makes the ending so effective because the movie played you in the same way that he plays her. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it makes you think, well, how many guys do I know like this? How many times have I fallen for this? You know, because we Mm -hmm. want to believe the nice guy thing because it's easier, you know? Well, the whole thing, the whole thing is, is that like so many men base their, their entire identity on their job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And money and women. Right. Where women are more used to, you being in a sort of permanent state of disappointed (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't mean I don't mean to sound like, I don't mean to sound like you know you know oh a sad sack life is so terrible that that's not what I mean I mean like like I don't think many women go into a job thinking that that a promotion is a lockdown for them that right. you know right. that there's going to be some there's going to be some bullshit they're going to have to deal with before getting mm-hmm. to even beyond like you know, possible having to deal with you know, sexual harassment or or having people assume that you you know exchanged favors let's say for your promotion mm-hmm. you know whereas men feel very much more there's an innate confidence to everything they do and i know a lot of men are listening like why get the hell out of here i don't feel confident about anything i it's hard to explain where i'm trying to look in the fucking mirror and just accept it particularly Uh i'm not gonna lie if you're a white fucking man and you're halfway confident at your job you think you're gonna be promoted Mm -hmm. right yeah it's like that saying you know give me give me the confidence of a mediocre white man you know i mean where it's it's like a lot of men who who could be doing better at what they do feel that they're doing exactly enough to succeed Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then women and racialized figures are just like, Jesus Christ, how much faster do I need to go on this spinning hamster wheel? Yeah. And the answer is probably twice as fast. Right. Yes. And then when the, when you do, you know, you know, make some sort of leeway in your job, then it's, oh, well, you know, they're a diversity hire or, mm-hmm. you know, they it's never, you know, well, you must be very good at your job. It's always, no. you know, there's always some other sketchy reason why you, uh-huh. you, you got this promotion or you got this, you know, this, this assignment that you've been gunning for with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love seeing Phoebe Dynavore. I'm not sure. I do not know it, it how to pronounce like that. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch Bridgerton, so this is my oh. first exposure to her. 
so to speak. I watched the first season and I loved the first season and I have not seen the second one, but she plays a very, uh, from what I'm remembering towards the end of it, and Joe, you may disagree, but she, she very sexually empowered okay. by the end of that. And I like seeing that role too, but someone who is also trapped in a system where your sexuality becomes a commodity too, mm-hmm. and trying to navigate that. And I just think I, I really like be not sexually empowered, but sexually, like sexual roles. Yeah. Um, so I've not seen Bridgerton at all. It's not exactly my bag, but <laughs> I appreciate that it worked well for a lot of folks. So this was actually my introduction to her. I think this is such a tricky role. Mm-hmm. I think Aaron Reich actually, weirdly enough, has the easier role because it's just good guy to bad guy. Yeah. And for her, she has to undergo this process of becoming simultaneously more confident, more willing to play the boys' games. But then she's also, you can tell, really hurt and confused, but really fucking angry at everything that she is having to deal with from these petty little bitch boys. Mm -hmm. And I think her performance is harder, but she also makes it look easier. His role is the showy one, and I think it's the one that people will probably take more notice of. Mm -hmm. I'm impressed both with her performance and the writing because Mm -hmm. her character could have come off as extremely, extremely one note. Mm. You know, she just could have been like this kind of, you know, as soon as she gets her promotion, she just turns into this icy bitch. Mm -hmm. And no, you're right. I mean, she is happy and excited about this promotion, but also she's a little heartbroken too. I mean, I don't think, I don't think she wanted it this way. I don't think, I don't think she would have, she wanted to be in competition with him. And mm-hmm. and and I think you know as much as she you know starts kind of adapting, let's call it to the you know the new order, the new order. I think that the part of her wishes things could go back to the way they were. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I think she's realizing she's going to have to let one of them go, and it's probably not going to be the job. Yeah. Well, and I'm also curious to see how like long term how she's gonna enjoy this job you know because if your boss is straight up calling you a fucking bitch in the office and then blatantly not apologizing for it is this a job you want of course you're also getting five hundred thousand dollars for a good day Mm -hmm. and she does say i didn't come into this wanting to be a hero so i do think like she knows what make money exactly she knows what industry she's in but I, I want to talk about the scene where they go to the strip club, too, because mm-hmm. I find this fascinating. And I think that 10 years ago, five years ago, this would have been a very one note scene, like we were talking about her character. And I do think that it's pretty like clear that she identifies as straight. Yes. She doesn't want to go to the strip club, but it seems like she has a good time there. And I'm just curious y'all's just impression of this scene and how it kind of plays out and her response to all of this boy, man, that horrifying story where a guy gets tricked into fucking his sister. (laughs) Like, are these the people you want to work with? You know? Yeah, it's tough for me with these kinds of things. As I said, I don't enjoy finance-y movies, although, Mm. you know, give me Boiler Room, give me The Big Short, and Mm -hmm. other movies where it's like, oh, they're heavily dependent on finance, but the movie's not actually about that. It's about the human actors who are involved in the job. Mm -hmm. And I see this as an almost 
chameleon-like ability for her to fit in with her surroundings. So she can read the room. She knows that she has to play this fucking game. So yeah, she's going to throw around tons of money at these sex workers and drink the boys under the table because that's what she has to do to thrive in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they almost certainly were testing her to mm-hmm. see to see how she would react and to it's see why they cool brought girl. up the name of this bar right so that she could be outraged because she's a feminist you know strong-willed woman mm-hmm. and she's like oh i see what you're doing fine let's fucking go to the strip yeah. club and i'm gonna prove you wrong right yeah. because they expected her to be ruffled and offended and yes. and you know, so they could pick out her weak spot and dig mm-hmm. into it mm-hmm I think it's pretty, pretty great. And I wish I had the guts to, to, you know, just sort of, you know, give as good as I'm getting in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And also want to say, if you're a lady that enjoys going to strip clubs, more power to you. All the power to you. (laughs) Exactly. Do it. Yeah. I don't like anybody dancing in front of me. I just start blushing and giggling. So. Same. I can't. Yeah. That's why I don't want to go to cats. Well, there are many reasons I don't want to go see cats. (laughs) (laughs) A similar vibe. I also really enjoy seeing Rich Summer in this movie too. I have loved him since Mad Men. And he's playing, I can't remember what his name is, one of the smarmy PM dudes. Yes, Paul. he's the other boss. Yeah, yeah, I really like him. Yeah, and uh, the main boss, uh, I think that's... Uh, it's Eddie, Eddie Marson. Yeah, who was like such a sweetie in um, The World's End, the uh, the Edgar Wright movie. It's so weird right. like seeing him in a you know this kind of awful boss role. Oh, he's so awful. Like he's... Ugh, that's the thing, it's like... I would just turn around and walk away. Yeah, it's like, why would you want to work for this guy? Exactly. But I love this kind of thing, like, especially when people are cast against type and they're still compelling and believable. That, mm-hmm. to me, is the mark of a good actor. Oh, yeah. I yeah, agree. totally. Yeah. I also like Sebastian D'Souza, too, who plays Rory. He's a fun, smarmy little weasel, you know, and he was great <laughs> in The Great, too. So just wanted to shout him out. <laughs> Uh, I want to say I love where this ends, and we've kind of mentioned this confrontation a little bit, but I love that we don't have to see the next day. We just end on this really, really strong moment, and this man who has had everything taken away from him because of his own actions having to suffer the consequences of that. Mm -hmm. And I do want to ask, in one of the last scenes, we see a woman taking a seat and taking what looks to be Emily's old job or at least yeah. a job on her level. And she's kind of looking at this woman. And I'm wondering what your take on this this is. Uh, a little bit, you know, God help you. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. You a little bit. This is not my problem. This is something she has to learn how to deal with. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's a good question, actually. Um, yeah. But she's literally sitting in her seat. Is, is, this, is, this, someone, is this someone who's going to come for me the way everybody yeah. else has? Well, and is there room for two women? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we've not seen another woman in this office. Yeah, I, I think it's all of those things and probably even a couple more, which is all the more reason to love it right Mm because it's silent these two women have no interaction it's it's just emily looking out her new office window seeing okay there's another woman here is she going to come for me is she going to be sexually harassed like i was is she going to even survive all of this is it just all cyclical and i love that the film trusts us to be like what do you think it is i'm not Mm going to tell you yeah. Yeah. It's even yeah. a question of, you know, you know, is she going to protect her or is she going to kind of leave her on her own because nobody, nobody looked out for her when, you know, right. when, she, when mm-hmm. she was in a similar situation, when she was in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I just thought so many things about this film were incredibly smart. I've been waiting since January to watch this movie because I missed it at Sundance. It was the hot ticket sold to Netflix for $20 million. Wow. And as soon as the deal went through, you could not get a ticket to this. So I've been waiting for months for this. And I was pleasantly surprised at how much it absolutely lived up to the hype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I said, it's, uh, it's an adult thriller, which is something... Yeah, you know, particularly on Netflix, you don't really see because Netflix usually pays the big money out for these really like you safe, know, safe and you know, not particularly smart action movies. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, no criticism. Just that's not my bag any more than movies about investment banking is. But but you know, I, I think it's you know, it, it's a very it, it could have been a lot dumber than it oh, is yes mm-hmm. and characters could be a lot more one note they could have made uh, lucas a lot more sympathetic you know or you try to draw more of a, a a you know a male audience but you know i think it's good because it's you know i i think it opens it opens the door for a lot of interesting conversations between mm-hmm. couples mm-hmm. you know particularly couples who you know who's you know maybe they're in the same income level not necessarily mm-hmm. directly competing each other with each other but you know a situation where you know one is you know making a little more money than the other but not as much and the kind of interesting complications that can cause mm-hmm. so i think it's uh, as you say it, it you know it leaves a lot of interesting questions yeah, I completely yeah. agree. And I love the way it handles this kind of gender, sexual politics and power dynamics, because I think we are we are several years past everything as Harvey Weinstein or Aziz Ansari, and it's one or the other, and you're either canceled or you're completely innocent. And I think movies like this that exist in the middle, that open up the conversations about how do we move forward? What is redemption possible here? Mm-hmm. And what would you need to do? I think are really important. And I think what is a way that you can handle this and still find power for yourself and still like, can she still keep her job? And it seems like she's going to, and mm-hmm. she's going to be happy. And I think that that is the next step in a lot of these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. If nothing else, the fact that people responded so strongly to this and it, this should be an antiquated topic, right? Like you both opened this discussion by saying, oh, it has a feel of a 90s thriller. Mm -hmm. I think what we're responding to is that this feels evocative of a more mainstream film from that decade, but we're nearly 30 years out from that. The fact that this still feels really fucking timely is highly unfortunate, Mm -hmm. but I think that just makes it in some ways incredibly relevant. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like Ken saying, no, we're still doing patriarchy. We're just hiding it better. And, <laughs> exactly. You know, this is how we examine the hidden patriarchy in the business world, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Okay. And it's fun, too. I really enjoyed watching it, too. <laughs> it's just a really fucking good movie. It yeah. is. For all the heavy themes, it doesn't feel like an oppressive movie to watch, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, our next title is not quite as successful (laughs) at definitely negotiating some of its political terrain. But before we announce where we're headed next, Gina, how do people get a hold of you? You can find me co-hosting the Kill by Kill podcast. Uh, I write about movies and television at thespool.net. And I have a substack, GinaWatchesThings.substack.com, where uh, you could see my thoughts about uh, <laughs> Don't Worry Darling before we talk about them. Ooh, la, la. Mm. 
Mm. Okay. And Jen, if people want to get a hold of you. You can find me at Jen Ferratu on um, various social media platforms and co-hosting the Losers Club podcast and also co-hosting the Lady Killers podcast, which is a new podcast about female killers in horror. So if you liked my feminist rantings, then <laughs> check out that pod. <laughs> There we go. And folks can get a hold of me at B still on my remote, and that's the letter B. And we'll thank the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network for hosting the show. And yes, folks, if you were listening, then you heard Gina spill the beans about where we're headed next. We are going to be checking out Don't Worry, Darling. So we'll get some of that period aesthetic in. I don't know. I guess it's a bit of a Stepford update in a way, isn't it? Oh, very much so, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I've not seen this one, so. Definitely interesting. And we get to look at Chris Pine. That's never bad. Yeah, that's the, that's <laughs> always a, you know, Chris Pine and, and Florence Pugh are, are yes. very, very nice to look at. Yes, I don't, compl- I don't mind admission. that at all. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Well, until Don't Worry Darling, we'll say have good sexy times in the bathroom, not bad sexy times. Don't work with your partner. Don't do it. Yep. Just don't. Yep. <laughs> the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad.